accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Continuing our run through Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now we're up to the episode called Profit and Lace. It is the 23rd episode of the sixth season. Aired on May 13th, 1998. It was probably a Friday the 13th. Written by Iris Stephen Bayer, Hans Beamler. Directed by Alexander Siddig, old Dr. Bashir in the director's chair. In this episode, Grand Negus Zek is de- deposed after he begins to promote female rights. Quark changes his sex temporarily to prevent Brunt from becoming the new Grand Negus. We're joined by Clay. Clay, how are you? Yikes. <laughs> Did it is live up this... to, the, to the warning that everyone gave you when you uh, were ready for this one, the Ferengi episode? You even asked about it in a podcast, I think, what the Ferengi episode everyone's talking about is. Yeah. Is this, uh, is this the most attempted sexual assault in one single episode of Star Trek? Probably. It, it, it just the uh, the the bluntness of it I think is probably unprecedented in Star Trek's history. I mean the the original series had a lot of sexual violence and sexual assault, maybe not like outright stated, but you could sort of read subtext into things. But this is the most uh blatant if you do this for me uh or if if you SMID, I'll basically give you your job back <laughs> kind of sexual yeah. harassment that's ever yeah. been in Star Trek. Yeah. Um there's a uh... <laughs> There's a lot of uh, not great stuff going on in this episode. I don't, you know, I, maybe this should be my last episode because I feel like starting with Angel One and ending with this would be just such a nice bookend yeah. to my career here. Uh, yeah, maybe this is going to be it. I feel like the parallels are there. And um, yeah. Let's see how you feel when this one is all said and done. Let's take a break. We're going to play an audio clip. Me and Clay are going to come back and break down Profit and Lace. Boombox for fun and profit? It's a quick read. Oh, you want me to be nice. Let's face it. The customers, the Davo girls, the Ferengi waiters, they didn't hire you. And uh, they can't fire you. All right, so we're back with the Ferengi episode. Magnificent Ferengi, I think, was the one that we saw earlier here, Clay, but this one is special. Um, it's mm. generally regarded as one of the worst Star Trek episodes of all time. It's um, through and through a Ferengi episode, I guess. I'm I'm kind of conflicted about this one. I sort of feel, I don't think it's a good episode, but it's along the lines of a code of honor for me from the uh, TNG series, which is mm-hmm. always said to be like one of the worst one. In Code of Honor, it was... It's always derided as being racist because they cast all the aliens as black people who are like a warrior, misogynistic mm. tribe. And I, I always I always think it's overstating. Like, to me, Code of Honor is no worse than any other first season TNG episode. It's It had like this unfortunate casting decision that torpedoes everything. Mm-hmm. But other than that, the script is pretty much the same. To me, this feels like a... In a lot of ways, this is almost like a perfect Ferengi script. And the offensiveness of it is because it's grounded in Star Trek. On the other hand, like the way that the Ferengi talk about things and do things, this kind of feels like it's the perfect Ferengi episode in a way. So I don't, I don't know what you can um, tease out of it besides the fact that Ferengi episodes are generally horrible. And this doesn't seem to be much of an exception. 
Yeah, I mean, I I feel like the person who is the most at fault here is actually Dr. Bashir, who looks actually looks like he's stepped out of the uh, David Cronenberg's Dead Ringers holodeck suite (laughs) program um, because he is actively going along with this garbage. But yeah, if you take a step back, I this is just kind of how the Ferengis are. And I, I'm if you're looking at it uh, outside of whether or not that is uh, culturally acceptable to, uh, you know, us in Humans. really any <laughs> right, us yeah. in any era, let alone 2019. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not. The actual story isn't uh, isn't it's not the worst thing they've ever done, oddly enough. But it's just like I think the it feels like the liberties that they're taking come off so um, bad because they're leaning into aspects of the Ferengi that y- y- they don't really talk about. Uh, it's it's very negative stuff. I'd argue and, they uh, do talk about it though. Like what what else? Well, I, sh- would, I shouldn't say they don't talk about it, but it's like they don't. They're it's always played as a joke. Yes. You you never have Quark threatening to fire a woman because she won't sleep with him. Or yes. you know what I mean? Like that's just that's just mean and it bad. is. But is it true to the Ferengi? Is it like isn't that what they would do? You know? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that it isn't. Yeah. It's just it's you know, it's, it's pretty know. rough. <laughs> yeah, it's it's taking a really rough look at a species that is already pretty derided <laughs> in yeah. a way that no other species is derided. Even like the uh, uh, even the the, well, I guess the Cardassians maybe, but the, even the Cardassians are like given some modicum of respect, whereas the Ferengi are just shit on by everybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the to me, it just feels like it's a. It's strange that it, it's maybe not strange that it doesn't work because I agree. Like, I think the worst part of the episode is really just the beginning and the end, which is unnecessarily cruel. For some reason, and then at the end, it's basically just like, yeah, like women kind of just want it anyway. <laughs> like even yeah, even, even though Cork is wrong, even though Cork is trying to redeem himself, they come back and she's like, you know, I do kind of want to do this to you, and he's like, all right, never mind, I forget everything that I've learned, which is a a very strange twist for this Star Trek episode. Yeah, I think that's kind of what really undoes it. I mean, on top of the fact that you know, it's just not really that fun to watch. No. Um, is that you can kind of ex- excuse isn't the right word, but like like you were saying, the the actions are more or less in line with the way the Ferengi have been presented. Um, but that uh, negative, questionable approach, problematic approach, extends past the limits of the Ferengi, and that's where the problem is. You know, like that's the fa- at the end when she when like you're saying when the the girl comes back and she's like, oh, I was all up for the for the quid pro quo sexual harassment here. It's like, uh, yeah, okay. That doesn't really fly. Uh, and it makes you, it makes you kind of feel like that they weren't as conscious of what they were doing as you, you and, or I are saying that they might've been, you right. know? Yep. Um, and I think that's what undoes it. Because I think that the, I think the thing that they're like DS9 has always been this uh, show about homages to very old cinema and very old stories. Mm-hmm. Like Iris Stephen Bear seems to like classic movies and stuff like yeah. that. And this is a this is a trope that just exists in 
old sure. cinema, you know, and yeah, it, it's, it, it's some like it hot with Ferengi's opinion. Right. Uh, and like more modern would be like uh, Tootsie and things like that. Like, right, right. The idea, the idea exists and it had been seen as funny. I, I wonder at the point that this came out, I think all the reviews, the contemporary reviews for this one are just like, this is awful. So it's kind of a, I think it's a victim of trying to play an old classic trope in an mm-hmm. era that it just doesn't age well. And now it particularly feels really bizarre that they do it. But the, I saw a lot of criticisms of the scene where uh, the the cola guy is chasing Quark around after he invites him into his room. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is just a straight homage to that kind of comedy from those sure. classic eras. You know, it's like I, I understand not thinking it's funny, but the 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 where they're drawing it from, it's clearly just like they're not making this content up. This is just playing off of this trope of the guy, uh, Pepe Le Pew style, chases you around comically right. and can't get you. Right, right. right. Um, not to say that it's good, but it, it's not like the show is inventing this out of nowhere. It's it's doing a very strange decision to play up a very old, sexist, classic trope. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, put, putting a guy in drag for comedic purposes is as, is as old as the theater, you know? Right. Yeah, <laughs> um, to, to the point where Ch- people like Chappelle or the... Uh, uh, black actors are now like I just refuse to do it because it's such a trope of the, a black guy wearing a dress is like a very standard comedy thing for people to yeah, do. Yeah, and I mean it's always it's if you watch SNL even today when there's a uh, fairly um, masculine actor or whoever on the Rock, a Rock always yeah, does it. Yeah, a hundred percent they're going to put him in a dress at some point, you know, and it's just like oh, okay, that's the best you could do. Great. Um, yeah, it's def. They are definitely playing on on that trope. I mean, the, the chasing around thing. Yeah, that's straight out of any of those movies. I mean, th- that's a, a Benny big Hill. sequence. In, yeah, yeah, Benny Hill. It's a big sequence in Tootsie. I'm sure it happens in some like it hot. I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, you know, the humor of oh my god, he's falling in love with a man. Which <laughs> right as you as he's trying to desperately to get away. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 weird. Um. I think it's the it's the weird dark edge that they put at the beginning that makes it that much worse. Yeah. You know, it's like the 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 middle of it is I think you can yeah, I think you can I, I don't think you have to be that hard on it from a uh uh modern standpoint cuz there's actually stuff in it that's that's surprisingly uh not uh cavemanish like the the <laughs> There is a <clears throat> there is an interesting sort of commentary on uh the people who are against female empowerment when when they talk about how she all she did was put her clothes on and the entire economic system collapsed. Yes. <laughs> it's like yeah, that that's they're making fun of fun of idiots who are trying to to trying to keep women down obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, there's this weird this weird dark undercurrent that they give to Quark just so he can have this change of heart that isn't even legitimate because even at the end he's he's reacting to uh whatever female hormones are still in his body so they're really undercutting their uh, as as i don't know if progressive is the word to use but as as uh uh especially not for this episode yeah but any anything that they're trying to say that's being kind of uh, uh a satire of um keeping keeping women down is really un- undone by the quark stuff on on the bookends. 
Yeah. And, and I mean, not, that's not to say there's a lot of stuff in the middle too. But the, the Quark stuff at the bookends is just really it, – it really is feels tone deaf to what I think they may have been trying to do and failing at. Yeah. I don't know. Because I, I think the middle is just a straight Ferengi episode. It's what sure. you expect yeah. from the Ferengi yeah. when they make an appearance. And, you know, the, the first 10 minutes of the, the sex change operation are kind of like – I would describe them as like datedly inoffensive in a lot of ways. I think that the mm-hmm. longer that that sequence goes on, the worse it becomes as it moves along. Mm-hmm. And then to end it with Quark that way, the, my big problem was that the the moral of it, when Quark sort of – Quark even states to the camera, he's like, the thing that I've learned from this episode is that I need to be more accepting of women or something like that. Right, right. And it feels almost – they're stating it so bluntly that they're almost – making a joke of that fact that he's well, doing Well, they are, because, I mean, even after he says it, he's like, it must still be the, the hormones The hormones speaking, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so they're not taking the the moral lesson seriously. Right, Which right. kind of makes sense because it's a comedy episode. It's almost like it's like a Seinfeld riff or something that the, you're trying – like they're trying to do a kind of no, no hugging, no feelings type lesson yeah, from it. But, I mean, they, they, they go out of their way to make – Quark a gross misogynist at the beginning. Yes. And I mean, even through the middle of it, like, yeah, again, I think you can, you can, uh, you can argue that it is in line with the way that the Ferengi work, but it's a, it's a side of Quark that we've never seen this intense of and to play it for laughs is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but they go out of their way to make him so gross and misogynistic as I was watching, I'm thinking, Oh, are they just amping this up in order to, a make it awkward when he has to become a woman, and then B he has the big change of heart at the end. Uh, so it needs to be that much more clear at what they're doing. But and then at the end, it's just like, yeah, he doesn't really have a change of heart. He's just, you know, influenced by hormones in his system. And then when that Dabo girl is like, yeah, I'll give you a hand job, he's like, wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, totally, let's do right. it. Toss out what I learned. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I don't just. I guess I I had to come in kind of arguing for the episode, and mm. I, I still think I still uh, stay, I still think that it's. I don't know. I don't know if it would land on my like worst of Star Trek list in a lot of ways, just because. Well, maybe I would, but who knows? It's the weird thing about it is it's one of those things where we're deep enough into the series, and the people who are working on the series are good enough and know how to do the show well enough. That it's actually not really structurally bad. No, it, it works you know, as a story, it, sort of. Yeah. 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 I mean, say what you want about the way the Ferengi shit works, whatever. But like, I, I don't even think most of the story relies on Ferengi stuff. Like you said, it's just such a, a, a tried, tried and true, you know, quote unquote, tried and true trope. Ooh, alliteration. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, it's just a standard like three stooges sketch with Ferengi in it. Right. You know, it's like if, if you changed everybody to Vulcan in a couple other details, it wouldn't really be that much different. It's the same story. The, the rich, the person with power comes in and they have to convince him to be on their side. So they send one of the guys dressed up as a hot chick to say it's a, but it's every, like half of the Bugs Bunny cartoons from the sixties. No, that, that was going to be my reference. Like this is just really a Bugs Bunny cartoon that happens. And like, you can't get, if Bugs Bunny was a horrible misogynist, right? <laughs> the thing is Bugs Bunny doesn't really talk. So he doesn't have a choice to play that up. Um, in right, any way. Right. Yeah. I'd like, is the episode better if you eliminate that opening and closing scene? I, I, I understand the opening scene 
However, um, you know, we started talking about Umox, which is their uh, rubbing their ears sexual thing. Is kind of like mm-hmm. when the series started, we we're kind of like, wow, it's kind of it's kind of funny, like or kind of like brazen of this show off of TNG to basically call getting a hand job like this alien term that they use mm-hmm. and be very unsubtle about it. Then it moved into the in the middle of the season, we were our series, we were kind of like. It's kind of weird that they give each other umaks in public, isn't it? Like, that's a strange thing. And now we're at the point of it feels almost too unsubtle about what it is that it's like disgusting when they talk mm. about it. And it, it's gone through he gives quite her a little a evolution. Book. He gives her a book. Yeah, the Kama Sutra of umaks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Has a more yeah. Ferengi title, I think. It's like umaks and the potential of profit or something is the title. But yeah. Yeah, I actually forgot what umaks was. Like I didn't even I, for the rest of the uh, uh, the context of the rest of the scene made it pretty clear what was going on, but when he when he gave her the book and she read the title, I was like, "Is this like a like a, an investment guide?" <laughs> and I was like, In "No, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is this is uh, there's some shady shit going on by her uh, by her boss, yeah, trying to pressure her in certain ways." Um, it's almost like a Scorsese but, scene. That girl is so nice. And he's, his whole employee yeah. review is like, everyone thinks you're just great. You're fantastic. What a nice person. And the actress seems very nice. Um, yeah, and that, it flips it completely around into Quark's uh, sexual harassment to keep your job situation. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those weird episodes where it's like, yeah, if you take yourself away, if you take a step back and you look at what they're doing in the story that they're telling the, yeah, the Ferengi are being really gross about stuff, but that's how they've always been written. And that's the kind of species they are written as. So it's difficult to, there's a certain level where you can, I think, I think you are allowed to accept their actions. I think is my argument. Like accept isn't the right word, but I mean, them doing it like not accepted in terms of them being uh, that it's a good thing to do. But I, I, I can understand why this species would come up with this plan and do this. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, characters who are bad guys do bad things. So if they're doing bad things and you don't like that they're doing bad things, then they are being written correctly to the way that they are supposed to be written. You know, I obviously there are, there are limits for, you know, what people want. I mean, I think it comes down to, you know, this isn't super enjoyable to watch. I, I think it comes down to Star like, Trek is not a gritty, realistic scene yeah, where your motivations have thing. to stay that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the thing. Is like uh, their 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 misogyny has. I mean, you can. I think you could have a whole different conversation about whether or not the lightness at which they approach the misogyny of the Ferengi in every other episode is is appropriate. Yeah, because I mean, you know, you could go the other way and be like, no, these are. <laughs> they're making a joke out of the fact that they are actively oppressing the female sp- part of their species. Yes. Um, but that being said, they are written in a fairly light way across the board until you get to this episode. And then all of a sudden they turn into the Ferengi that we have talked about where it's like, Oh, it'd be great if they took these guys seriously. Right. <laughs> and, and it's, and it really stands out and feels gross. Yeah. And yeah. in a way that like, yeah, I think if you took the beginning and the end off, and kept the middle more or less the same, I think it goes down a little easier if only because what they're doing is is more farcical, um, for better or worse. I'm not saying that's good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm yeah. just saying that's, that's what it is. <laughs> the, other, the other thing I, I 
I don't know how it would be received nowadays if instead of him being surgically altered, he was just wearing a dress. You know, like Bugs Bunny. Like he's literally yeah, Bugs Bunny yeah. just wearing a dress. The, the second weirdest scene is when Brunt and that guy just stare at cork tits for a couple of <laughs> Yes. Yeah. No, it's not great. Again, it's, it's one of those things. Where, uh, yeah, I guess if you want to justify it, you take a step back and you go, "All right, sure, whatever. This is how the Ferengi are." But yes, through the through through the 2019 lens, this episode it does not hold up very well. <laughs> Although it was strangely progressive of the guy, he's like uh, Brunt is like he's not a, really a woman, and he goes, "He's close enough for me," which is kind yeah. of a, a progressive approach to it, I guess. I guess, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I don't think him dressing as just dressing as a woman does it any favors either. Uh, I, I think it would still be received poorly, but it, it seems sure that yeah. it just it wouldn't allow for that scene of him to just like. There's something very strange about Quark just stripping down to nothing to prove the point. Yeah. Like him, it, it feels a little bit more of a farce if he's kind of fooling this Ferengi while not acting as a particularly. Uh, effective female or woman version, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if mm-hmm. if it, if it's more of like clowning on the fact that the guy is so um, un uh, unobservant, I guess. I, I still don't think that would be portrayed well, but it would eliminate that sort of weirdness of Quirk literally becoming a woman or like transitioning into a female sex at that point through the hormones and everything. And Doctor Bashir's yeah, treatment. Yeah, I think I think there's also a I think there's also a a uh, uh, you know, you get into these things where it's like uh, Riker gets turned into a, a Romulan for an episode and then turned back and it's it's fine. Or Kira gets uh, transformed into a Cardassian and then she's fine by the end of the episode. But when you do something that has more realistic stakes or is more easily relatable, such as a straight up sex change, and it's like, oh, yeah, we can do that in about 15 minutes in the sick bay and, and you'll go one way and then you go back and no problem. You'll be, you know, bing, bang, boom, you're fine. I think that's a little bit harder to swallow, too, uh, because there are so many people who obviously that's going to affect in a certain way, knowing what they are going through, dealing with, with that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, so I can see that coming off as as an insensitive. Um but yeah, it's I, I it's not a, it's not out of I it's almost it almost feels like it would be less in line with Star Trek to just have him dress up as a, you know just in clothes. Yes, um, I think that feels more like a Ferengi episode though. Like that, yeah, it's that kind sure, of jokey yeah. clowniness that uh, that uh, sure. typify the Ferengi, and I think it fits that. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, a straight up like surgical sex change for forty minutes is just. I don't know. I yeah, think you're, 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 uh, you're going down the wrong, <laughs> the wrong route with that one. Yeah. They're, um, it's strange. We've, we've talked enough about the, the Ferengi ness of like what, what makes a Ferengi episode not work or anything. I just, th- this one is, is strangely a misfire. Um, just, just from the, the point of view of like, I'm not sure at any point that like maybe I could see the very original pitch being considered okay. Like if they're like, we're gonna play it like classic Hollywood, it'll be hysterical. Mm. And it's just Star Trek isn't funny enough or the format isn't built for this kind of thing to go on uh yeah. with it. Like it's just, it's a bad Star Trek episode more than it's a bad episode um writing wise and everything. And as you say, they've been doing this long enough where they're decent enough at putting the episodes together that they can take something like this and it comes across as middling at best, I guess. And then once you break it down, it actually falls apart a little bit more under inspection. 
Yeah, I wonder if it if it would have gone down a little easier if they had been more uh, meta about it. Uh, you know, like the Little Green Men episode is is very very meta. Yeah, in, in its references to the forties and everybody smoking, and it, it's clear that they are that you they are letting you know that they are making a joke. Um, I wonder if. I don't know how you would do it in this situation, but I wonder if being a little bit more meta about the situation might have made it come off a little better. Yeah. Um, but also, I mean, there's so many classic comedy things that you could do. <laughs> Why do this one? <laughs> <laughs> this one's the best. Yeah, it's it's even strange down to the, you know, when female Quark makes her appearance and the camera's just panning over her breasts. <laughs> Yeah, to prove it's a woman, and it's just um, it's really, it's really something. It's really spectacular. Yeah, it's um, you know, and you know, even the the humor. It's I think they get into this weird zone where they they're trying to be serious sometimes, but then they're also trying to be farcical, and it just kind of doesn't blend together. Like the scene where uh, Quark is arguing with his mother, he's he's saying some pretty nasty shit. Yeah, that ties into and, their backstory. It's it's building off of everything we know about those two to this point. Yeah, and like I, th- you know, that's an instance where you're like, okay, yeah, this is actually pretty accurate Ferengi writing if you're going to be really honest about it. But then it ends with a comedy beat of her keeling over and having a heart attack. Yes, you know, it's like it's ugh, it's, it's, it's tough. It's strange tough to, to me. parse out. I think I've mentioned before. Bear has mentioned that, like, if someone asked him in an interview what he would redo about the series, and he said that mm. he would have stopped, he would have abandoned trying to make the Ferengi work as comedy. And yeah, I, I think that I understand that this is a strange one to me because I think the idea fits into a generic Star Trek mold. Like, there's a mm-hmm. way if you don't play this as a comedy like this, I think you can do a something about like if you seriously took the struggles of the ferengi females seriously you can kind of have right. a good star trek episode about that. right yeah that, but that they don't want to, they, they don't want to do it with this race so it comes off as wasted potential yeah that kernel that they play for laughs like i said at the beginning about about just having women wear clothes destroying the infrastructure of their economy is a pretty interesting and, yeah. it, and is and is ripe for for uh exploration if you're going to take it seriously but it's and just I, a punchline in this. I even like the, you know, and I think the Ferengi is comedy work in a way. I don't think this is an A-plus joke, but I kind of like the Sluggo Cola stuff that they've got going. Like, we've mentioned before um, how our version of the Ferengi would just have, like, different – it would be like a truer version of capitalism, where or like the free market, where they'd all be good at different things. And having one of them be, like, the Coca-Cola conglomerate is kind of a funny idea to me that he's very yeah. successful. and. You know, it's got a catchphrase, and it's kind of a stupid joke, but it, it works on this goofy Ferengi way. If you want to go down this path of goofy Ferengi, I like the stuff like Sluggo Cola, and I like, um, you know, the jokes about like if we give them pockets, they'll have money, and with the money, they'll yeah. buy things. So, like that—that's just a very funny idea to me, and I think that it works. And that's a better satire in a Star Trek view than it is the gender switching process yes. that yeah. they go through. Yeah, yeah, definitely explaining. Explaining or rationalizing the empowerment of women through how it it doubles the consumer base it right. is is a plus Ferengi rational. <laughs> Honestly, they're not very good businessmen if it took them that long to realize that yeah. either. So we'll see. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it would make sense that the highest, the people who who sit atop the 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 tower in in on Ferenginar are you know the 
CEO of Coke, the CEO of IBM. Yep, Apple. Know, yeah, uh, the Apple. Steve Jobs yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah. That that makes perfect sense. I mean, that's 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 fascinating. I think that's where that's where I think uh, um, I think you could bring the Ferengi back and do something like that uh, and take it a little bit more seriously now and have it be a little bit more of a satire or uh, you know uh, a straight science fiction commentary about yep. stuff. Yeah. Um, I think, I think you run the risk at this point of it being really, really obvious of too obvious of a move, but, uh, you mean I think there's some making them more do. realistic is the only way to go. Therefore it's a tough thing to do. Yeah. Cause like, well, I, I guess so. Cause like if you, if you, let's say in Picard, right in, in the Picard series, uh, they bring back the Ferengi and they show how the, you know, like we were saying the, the, the top people in their government are the leaders of these massive corporations and stuff. That feels like too simple of a of a comment or a, sat, a satire to make. It is, yeah. Um, but I guess it depends on how you play it and what you do with it. Uh, if you really lean into it, it's going to feel like, oh, well, this was the obvious comment to make. It rings a little hollow. Yeah, but th- uh, that's probably the problem with them, right? Is that the, their setup is too blunt and broad to be yeah. effective satire. It's, it, there's nothing hidden about the Ferengi. It's not like they they literally just want money. So it's not like you right, can you can right. make an allegory about their drive for uh, product X is like greedy capitalists, basically, if you mm. want to use that language. It, it's more just they literally are greedy capitalists. And so you're stuck in how you can portray them because in the Star Trek universe, they don't seem realistic, even though they're hyper-realistic. You know what I mean? Because money doesn't exist in Star Trek. So when they pop in, it feels like, A, I don't understand how this works in universe, and B... They're far too um, normal in, in terms of real life being inserted into a Star Trek story, and so you can't really you can't really gussy up their stories like that, and it's unfortunate. Yeah, unfortunately, the 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 place that they really take is if you have a group of alien races uh, talking about something, they're the ones they cut to where they're like, "But the profit margins will be so much sweeter," and right. blah 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 blah. Yep. You know, and that's that's about it. Yeah, the only the only effective thing that I think they've they do work in context of if you tone them down, you can bring the Ferengi into interspecies communications and they do sometimes work. There was one episode where Quark talked about like he used uh, arms dealing as a metaphor for the war that was coming mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And that, that kind of works. Like when you when you take them seriously enough that they're actually capable and a threat i think that they can be done but I, i'd agree with you that they're probably a difficult species to do right and well especially if you're trying to evolve them from where they are now when you say interspecies communications do you mean making ferengi like the kings of the phone card that would be that. we're like they need to you need to go through ferengi uh, Frank, they own the phone lines basically yeah you yeah have to use their yeah. Com- lines of communication they just have a lot of burners that cards? they're trying to sell do you remember phone cards? I remember yep. going – when I went to college, like the the number one thing – there were two things that were uh, the most uh, anticipated present from graduating high school or whatever, and it was gas cards and phone cards. Yes. And uh, I don't know if phone cards even exist. Maybe they <laughs> maybe they still do to call like different countries and stuff, but – Yeah, I think they do. Not, not the way that they used to no. before uh, cell phones became – completely ubiquitous no we we're into the unlimited minutes of our uh, careers here let's take a break we're going to play an audio clip me and clay will come back we'll give our final thoughts about uh, profit and lace and then read some patron thoughts now are you sure 
completely. I tell you, that is not a female! Well, she's close enough for me. Oh, come, my dear. Let's go tell Zek that I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure he remains Grand Nagus. What? Why? Because that's what Lumba wants. His name's Quark! All right, everybody, so... Thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash the Penske file is the way to do that. A couple dollars a month and you get extra stuff, including if you're a captain tier supporter, you get a shout out at this point. Special thanks go to Andrew Sherlock, Ben Douglas, Bradley Killens, Captain Quark, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Pouch, David Kay, Dwayne Hackett, Eric C. Johnson, Yarpy, Joint Mango, Kevin Reyes, Kyle Barrett, Matt Cutler, Matthew Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Elledge, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean Spinobi, Tark Latif, Fault 13 Hero, and Will Yates. Thank you very much for supporting the show. Now let's read some patron comments here, Clay. Point Extra G says, I'm trying to imagine the room where DS9 episodes were pitched. Someone raises their hand and says, Quark, in drag. And somehow, someway, everyone says, that's a great idea. <laughs> Stop WTF. right there. Say no more. Give this man a raise. You give him the Emmy. Give him the Emmy. Captain Quark says... Didn't I just read Captain Quark or did I read? No, that was Point Extra G, sorry. Uh, what can I say about this episode the DS9 fans haven't said for the past 20 years? Yes, it's bad. Shockingly bad for this late in the series run. It feels more like an episode of Futurama than DS9. While it's worthy of most of the criticism that fans levy at it, I can't say that I found it offensive. It's just really, really stupid. Samuel S. says... I should have run for the hills when I saw this episode synopsis. I didn't need to see Quark tr- cross-dressing. It wasn't funny, and I felt very uncomfortable watching it. Easily the worst Ferengi episode of the series and one of the worst DS9 episodes in general. I would have rather watched The Omega Glory again, to be honest. Dad say The Omega Glory is stupider than this, but that's a discussion for another that. video. I don't know if I watched that one. It's the TOS one. You might not have seen it. Oh. Uh, Chad Wiley says, what can I say but yikes? Some types of comedy work really well in Star Trek, but apparently National Lampoon isn't one of them. Good reference <laughs> to National Lampoon. Dwayne Hackett says, as funny as this episode is, and it does have a few genuine points of comedy in it, the episode is mostly a skip for me. Why wouldn't they write a story around Pell from season two's Rules of Acquisition? It's saving grace, as always, is Jeffrey Combs. Prophet and Lace from Norman Buckwald. Some like it hot and Tootsie still work, even with the changing in times, but this one doesn't. Ferengi culture still does not excuse this abomination in writing, i.e. just plain bad, etc. In fact, when I was watching the documentary, which included a theoretical planning pitching of a season 8 episode, in this endeavor we get to see how the creative team got together to come up with those episodes in action, I wondered in the back of my mind how Profit and Lace could even come close to fruition. Episode is absolutely unwatchable. I only watched it for the first time in years... uh, in years, around a year ago, because I was wondering if it could have been as bad as I remembered. And oh, it was even worse. Much, much worse. Can an episode you know, be ranked zero out of five? One second. Can there be some way we can devote a Krennan ship on this episode? And yes, the episode should begin with an apology, not only to the transgender community, but maybe all persons of all genders and sexual identities. Hashtag me too, Quark. <laughs> you know, uh, I didn't know that they do that on the documentary. I'm looking forward to seeing them break an episode like that. Or, yeah, they, it's um, a big part of the documentary, actually. They do that's the first, really cool. The first episode of season eight. I'm very interested to see that because I find that stuff very, very fascinating. Uh, d- there was a show that was on Netflix for a while uh, called like The Writer's Table or something. It was hosted by uh, Jim Rash, the guy who plays the Dean on Community. Yep, it was a good and series. He, w- 
Yeah, it was really great. And he would have uh, writers from different writers' rooms for shows on. And they had the writers' room for the for New Girl on. And they actually did this on the fly on the episode. And it was so fun to watch, but also made me think like, man, it's amazing how the kernel of nothing can generate into an episode. Because it was like, they were like, okay, um, Winston decides he wants to have a mustache. And, like, that was the the genesis for all of these things. And they had everybody pitching these things, like, oh, well, then this guy would do this, and right. then this would do this. And, and it was really fun to see how they that stuff comes about. Yeah, it's it's an interesting – I won't say anything about the documentary. Um, I have thoughts about it. But it is that you do get a pretty good sense of how the writer's room worked on DS9 um, 20 years later uh, where they're working on they, this kind of stuff. You know, that stuff seems to be fairly uh, – how a lot of that stuff comes from just generally. Cause I remember on the, uh, the Simpsons commentaries and the early episodes of the Simpsons, they don't have very distinct names for the episodes because they were just on TV. They didn't need names. Right. So a lot of them were just like plot things. So the one I'm thinking of in particular was uh, Lisa gets a pony is the name of the episode. Yep. And the guy, the writer was talking about it, saying like, yeah, I mean, we didn't need to come up with names for the episodes at the time. And that was just what I wrote on the note card that I brought to the pitch meeting. Yeah. Like it was just one of like five note cards that I had with ideas that hadn't been fleshed out. And one of them was Lisa gets a pony. And that's the one we picked. Zam Nuclear Wessel says, rightfully reviled as this is, I find the Sluggo Cola jingle hilarious. Matthew Ross says, uh, yeah, so the acting is good. The actors have their Ferengi down with no problem. The same questions of how Ferenginar's politics works, who's in charge, etc. The funniest part is the two bodyguards facing off. Otherwise, it's a I, Ferengi comedy. I, really, I forgot to mention that. I really like that part with the <laughs> two is... tall guys staring at each other. I thought that was good. <laughs> I like that it's the same species. It's just two of the yeah, same yeah. guy looking at each other. Quark's uh, cross-dressing, not shocking. The slum cola uh, stand-in sounded as gross as the slimiest cola there can be. As for the eventual result, no surprises. Uh, what's next here? Will Yates says, let's be honest here, people. We all started watching this show to see the cavalier attitude towards gender reassignment surgery in the future. Seriously, I'm amazed that there was no pushback from anyone. Hey, Doc, could you make me look like a woman for a week so I can close this business deal? I have to imagine that if this came out today, there would be some serious public fallout from the story of a man needing to have a sex change to liberate an entire planet of women from servitude. I guess the Me Too movement fizzles out before the 24th century. Aside from all that, I really liked the episode. Even Brunt was great, especially when he yells, his name is Quark. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point that I didn't even totally uh, take in, I don't think, is that what (laughs) Quark is basic. Quark in drag is liberating an entire planet of women. Yeah, that's that's not super great. Yeah, Uh, that is that's Angel One level of uh, missing the point, I think. (laughs) Kyle Bear with the final comment here. Prophet and Lace, the first 20 minutes aren't too much worse from a regular Ferengi episode, but then it takes an almighty turn towards Stinktown. The message is all over the place, but the episode's biggest crime is against comedy. Man, it's tough to watch. Maybe, just maybe, it would have all been worth something if Quirk learned something by the end. But then we get that terrible final scene where it turns out that women do want to get sexually harassed by their bosses, Mm. and Quirk had nothing to learn because he was doing nothing wrong in the first place. What Mm -hmm. a load of Mm -hmm. old bollocks. Which is a British for what a fantastic episode, I think. But... (laughs) Let's um, <laughs> let's close it out here, Clay. Thank you, patrons, for writing in with you know, your thoughts about Prophet We both and Lace. speak English, but we're separated by the same language. It's I know. really true. I know. We should have uh, a uh, lexicon reassignment surgery so that we can switch <laughs> over and then liberate the British. Um, let's give our final – well, thank you, patrons, very much for uh, supporting the show and leaving your comments. 
Not a great episode, as everyone has come to terms with here. Uh, we all had our kumbaya session. Clay, what are you going to give this one on our scale of one to five? Um, yeah, it's tough to give it higher than a one, really. Uh, it is. Yeah, I'm going to – I'm one. It's an obvious one. Everyone everyone knew it was going to be a one coming in, and it is a one for me as well. Oh, I didn't stick to my promise, though. I did say that I was going to give, give this a one a five. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't do a good job of arguing that point, unfortunately. I know. I'm sorry. I forgot. <laughs> Were you watching it just going, all right, here's the five I have to give. And it's just your face like slowly uh, turning into a frown as things are going along here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the way that he the way that he harassed her was really accurate. I mean, I have to give them credit for being so true to the way that, you know, awful people are. It's like, no, I'm not going to go down that road. Don't it's worry. A tough, it's a tough road to hoe. Guys, thank you very much for listening. We're both giving it ones. That's the end of Profit and Lace. It came and it went. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for supporting us. You can check out all the social media links down below. You can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support us there monetarily. It's much appreciated. Otherwise, there's the Teespring account down there if you want some t-shirts and all that good stuff. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Um, at this point, Kickstarter's over. Thank you again to everybody who threw in. Uh, huge success. And um, I look forward to doing the book and then maybe doing another one after that. We'll see how it goes. Cool. Yeah, thank you guys for supporting that. It's very helpful. Uh, very much appreciated. And I think that's it. So we have a bunch of real ripes coming out. If they haven't come out yet, uh, we're doing Catherine Bigelow is coming up. And we finished our Amy Adams one of Nocturnal Animals, which should be out before this, I think. So uh, let us know what you thought about that. And then we're moving on to Catherine Bigelow. And then we've got Halloween-themed stuff. Star Trek continues as normal. I put a poll out about what people want to, uh, some updates about what people would want to expect from the, uh, Star Trek going forward and things like that. I got some good feedback. We'll discuss. We'll let you know what our plans for after DS9 are going to be. But that's it. So thank you very much for listening. And guys, we will see you next time. 